the sign of the covenant. This will, will be picked up in the New Testament in baptism, but I think we can't get too far ahead of ourselves, and what we need to listen to as we consider God's word is how this, this sign was designed by God to function amongst his people and to function amongst us as his people as well, to consider what the meaning of this sign is. So that's what we're going to look at this morning, because whenever God establishes a relationship, and here's the wonder of, of this that, that we've traced out and we've seen in Genesis, this, this book of beginnings that show the beginning of God's relationship with his people, that when he establishes a relationship, he, he gives a sign. And with this, we recognize with Noah, when, when the word covenant first comes up with Noah, God places the rainbow in the sky as a sign. But this was a sign for God. When God saw the rainbow, he would remember what he had said, that no, not, never again would he destroy the world with a flood. Well, here the sign functions just a little bit differently. It is a sign for God, but it is also a sign for us as his people. And this is the sign of circumcision. And God has established a, a relationship with Abraham. He called him from uh, Ur of the Chaldees. He, he called him out of this uh, no man's land to the land of promise. And he, he gave him significant promises. And now as, as the relationship has developed in chapter 15, you'll recall we, we heard that, that Abraham believed the promises of God and God credited that to him as righteousness. So, so he is a believer. He's holding on to God and, and God regards that and reckons that to him as righteousness. And now God gives the sign of circumcision. Well, as we reflect upon that, he provides a sign for us to understand the fullness of his gracious relationship with us. Boys and girls, uh, uh, think of this sign. Think of a, a covenant sign like an FPOS card. Maybe you've seen mom and dad use their FPOS card in the shop. I have an FPOS card and, and I use it in the shop when, when I go to purchase a product, whether it's the grocery store or the car parts store to, to buy a product. I, I go there and, and I use that FPOS card to gain access to the money that's in my bank. It doesn't take it from anybody else's account. It takes it from my account that's in my bank. And it's, it's an approved way to transfer money between the, the retailer, the shop that I'm purchasing the stuff in, and the bank. The bank and the shop, you see, have, have a, a, an agreed arrangement, probably by the FPOS company, to, to approve and, and recognize that, that money will be transferred for the goods that are going out the door for the customer. And while that's the case, I still need to recognize that, that while I may have that FPOS card, I have to use it rightly. I have to use it rightly. And, and so it, it, it's a sign of the cash, of the money that's in my bank account. You see, when I go to the shop, I don't give them my FPOS card and say, there, you can have that, that's my money. It isn't. It's access to my money. And if I don't have the money in my account, my card won't work. It'll be declined. And so I don't get the goods. You see, just because I have the, the card doesn't necessarily mean I have the money or I get the goods. There has to be more to it. And that's how a covenant sign functions. 
It's based upon a, a relationship of grace that God has established. And yet there's this, this close connection. A close connection which is referred to and revealed by God when, when God says, now, now I'm giving you a sign, but he, he so closely relates the, the sign of the covenant to the covenant itself. In verse 10 when he says, this is my covenant which you shall keep between me. And what is that covenant? It's the sign of circumcision. So as we, we consider this sign of the covenant, there's, there's three things that I would like us to consider this morning. First of all, the character of a sign. Secondly, the inclusion by the sign. And thirdly, the appeal from the sign. So first of all, the character of the sign. Secondly, the inclusion by the sign. And thirdly, the appeal from the sign. First of all, the character of the sign. Circumcision, we recognize, is an outward expression. That's how God established it. I'm going to call it a ritual. Now, sometimes rituals have, have a, a bad connotation. It, uh, rugby players, when, when they're preparing to play, I think, I, I haven't been on a rugby team. I've been on a hockey team, though, and hockey players have rituals. They have to tie their skates on. They have to strap on their pads, and they would have a ritual they would go through when they're preparing for the game. It's almost superstitious. And that's the danger of using this word ritual, that it can become superstitious. So think of it as a, a religious expression, but for that I'm going to use ritual this morning. A rite, a religious rite. And it's a ritual that God's people need to go through, in a good way. It's good because it's commanded by God. And it relates to the seed. It's a cutting off of the flesh, the flesh of the foreskin. And it's a reminder that, that sin has affected us in our bodies as well as our souls. In surrounding cultures at this time, uh, uh, there was circumcision taking place as well. But there, circumcision was a rite of passage to adulthood. So it would occur with puberty that when the young men be, became, or the boys became men, that's what it means by a rite of passage, when, when they were able to produce offspring, then they would be circumcised. As that rite ritual of passage in a pagan culture. And here in Israel, God applies it to infants. To those who are eight days old, there's no productivity involved in this sign of the covenant. Not like it was in pagan cultures. Similarly, the outward expression of this covenant, this ritual, was that it was bloody. Every son would need his blood shed as a reminder of the effects of sin. To remove the effects of sin requires the shedding of blood. And no one is exempt from this. So that's the outward expression, the ritual. 
But now we need to recognize that when God establishes this outward ritual, there's, there's something more significant than just the outward ritual that, that he wants us to understand. There's a, a deeper relationship. There's a, a, a spiritual significance as well as an outward expression, a ritual. There's a spiritual significance, and this is what makes it a, a godly ritual when we understand the deeper meaning. And this is what Paul is getting at, and, and this is why we needed to read from Romans 2. Circumcision isn't just of the flesh. It's not just this outward thing. It's not just outward and physical. Now, notice Paul is saying it, it is that, but it's much more than that. In, in God's way of working, it, it's much more than this outward ritual. It's an inward ritual. A Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision, he says, is a matter of the heart. Now, sometimes we think, well, well, this is a novel idea, and, and how it didn't work that way in Israel. But the reality is, is that actually in the Old Testament, this was already alluded to, and this was already being taught. There's, there's an important point that we need to recognize, that, that this appeal for faith and this recognition of something that is needed inwardly is already revealed by God in the Old Testament. And it comes up in Deuteronomy 10. Now, turn with me to Deuteronomy 10 for a moment. Deuteronomy 10, because here God is revealing the initiation of the, the, the covenant sign of the circumcision. But in Deuteronomy 10, he, he shows us uh, of the significance, the spiritual significance, which Israel needed to recognize as well. And so we're going to look at this in, in Deuteronomy 10, Deuteronomy 10, beginning with verse 12. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. Listen to what God says. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God, and, and here's the internal aspect, with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven, heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. You, above all peoples, as you are this day. Now that's the, the covenant framework. The Lord set his love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them. We need to hear what God is teaching in Genesis about Abraham and his relationship with, with Isaac and, and his relationship with the Lord and how God had chosen them. But notice what verse 16 says. Circumcise, therefore, in light of that relationship that God has established, circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no longer stubborn. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who is not partial and takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him and hold fast to him. And by his name you shall swear. He is your praise. He is your God who has done for you these great and terrifying things that your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 persons. And now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars of heaven. God gives us historical development of everything that he's done. He says, now there's a heart issue here. And that heart issue 
which is reflected in circumcision, is that you need to believe in me. You need to trust me. This is the point of God's covenant relationship with his people. This is the privilege. This is the appeal. This is the characteristic of this sign. That God wasn't just simply giving an external ritual, but, but he summons us to yield our hearts to him. And it's so rich and so profound. The language that God uses equates the sign with the relationship. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring. This is back in Genesis 17. Let circumcision be an expression not only of some external relationship, but of the internal relationship. God in his infinite wisdom, aware of everything that was going to take place, aware even of how Israel was going to misuse this sign, and their boast was going to become in the, the external character of this sign. God in his infinite wisdom, fully aware of that, gives a physical sign to show something that is spiritually significant. His appeal is that this, needs, this sign needs to be expressed among you so that you know, you know by faith, you cling to me by faith that my relationship with you is established by me. That I am your God and you are my people. That that relationship that, that God is giving isn't, isn't dependent upon something physical, but is expressed physically, and it's, it's a relationship, a covenant that is secured completely by God in His grace. So that's the character of a covenant sign. But now secondly, we need to consider the inclusion by this sign. And, and as we, we begin to consider the inclusion by this sign, we, we need to begin, first of all, that, that there is, there is a, a significant covenant principle that is, that is being shown to us, and that is the, the principle of representation. Why at this time, males only would receive this covenant sign. Because God had, has a design to remind us that this, this covenant needs to be represented among us. With Eve, there was the promise that the, the seed of, of a woman would crush the head of the serpent. With Abraham, this, this notion of representation is further clarified, it's further focused, it's identified. Now, we need to recognize how, how God's grace is being unpacked and, and that it's, it's males, it's only the sons who are going to receive the sign of the covenant is, is showing us that salvation... The salvation that, that is going to come through the seed of the woman, salvation will come through a son. A son as a covenant representative. And not just any son. And here we need to, to put this together with what God says to Abram's response to offer Ishmael. And not just any son is, is going to, to do, but it's going to be the son of God's choosing. The Son that is a gift of grace. The glorious representation that salvation will come by the Son 
who's a gift of grace. And you see the, the gospel light beginning to dawn. It's just a shadow at this time. It's, it's just an inkling, but the gospel light is, is beginning to shine with, with all of its brilliance, with all of its radiance, that God is going to give a son in his grace and in his way. But now there's more to this inclusion by the sign, and that is a household, the household of Abraham. And isn't it astounding how generous God is with this sign of the covenant? There's an extensive inclusion here in this sign. And it ties together with representation because all those who live under Abraham's care, who live under his provision, who live within his household, whether they're slaves or whether they're children or someone even like Ishmael, they're included in the sign. Again, we we must recognize the generosity of God in making known His grace. And again, that's an important idea to hold on to when we we begin to to wrestle with this question. Well, well, why does God want so many included in this sign? When when even Ishmael, when when God says, no, it's not going to be Ishmael. He's not the, 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 the one who's going to secure the grace. Ishmael will be blessed. But he's not the one through whom I'm going to establish. Even when it's not Ishmael so clearly stated and so clearly revealed, why is he included in this sign? Because, because again, this sign is making known to us the wonder of God's grace, the, the generosity of God's grace. And, and it's coupled together with the purpose of a sign. The sign isn't what secures the grace. The sign is designed to make known to us how secure God's grace is. It's a revelation. It's an it's a educational point that God is making here. And here he says, let my grace be known far and wide. And here we have to make a very important point. There is a a distinction that relates to covenant privilege and covenant blessing. Covenant privilege and covenant blessing. The covenant privilege is knowing the gospel of Jesus Christ. God makes known His grace. He reveals that grace comprehensively, extensively to many, to people like Ishmael, to the, the, the sons of, of those who have been bought with money, to, to all within this household. God makes that grace known extensively. But that doesn't mean that everyone who, who knows about God's grace are saved. That that covenant privilege of knowing God's grace doesn't mean that there's a covenant blessing of being a participant in that grace. Ishmael, though he receives the knowledge of God's grace, is not going to be the heir of the promise. But God doesn't therefore exclude him from the sign of the covenant. He doesn't have that by by right of anything in himself, but he has it by right of his being a child of Abraham. A covenant privilege that doesn't always translate to a covenant blessing. 
Because he's a child of Abraham, he receives this covenant privilege of knowing the grace. The grace which comes through awareness of who God is. Just to know who he is, to know his relationship, and to know his covenant relationship with his people. You see, Ishmael is so close. But without the work of the Holy Spirit, Ishmael is not a recipient of the grace promised to Isaac, of that covenant blessing of a new life. And so we see that covenant realization of receiving the grace of life still depends on God's work of sovereign election. His covenant never overrides his electing purpose and his electing design. It expresses it, it shows it, but it doesn't direct it. And so thirdly, thirdly, when we see the inclusion by the sign, we need to understand, thirdly, the appeal from the sign. The appeal from the sign. And that appeal is... Uh, revealed by God when he shows the significance of this covenant and it comes with a warning. The warning against breaking the covenant. And there are two ways in which the covenant is broken. The first way that the covenant is broken is abandonment of the sign. God says include everyone. And, and, and everyone under your authority, under your household, within your home, is to be included. But then, verse 14, Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. One way of breaking the covenant is by abandoning the sign to forego circumcision. To neglect God's covenant relationship or minimize the way that God deals with his people covenantally is an affront to what he has revealed. Not to what he's doing, but to what he has revealed. And we need to recognize that there is this constant temptation, and it existed in the Old Testament and it exists in the New Testament. There is this temptation that if we can't have the spiritual character of this sign, if we can't have the spiritual blessing of this sign, if we can't be assured that, that we have this life by this sign, well, what good is the sign then? If the sign doesn't do anything... What's the value? See, there's this inherent pragmatism, a temptation towards pragmatism, that it has to do something or it doesn't have any value. Interestingly, Paul deals with this in, in Romans 3. Right when he says, circumcision isn't outward, circumcision is inward, the very natural question is, well, what good was it then for the Jews? And what does he say? Much in every way. Because to the Jews were entrusted the oracles of God. They had received the revelation. That was the blessing. God warns, don't abandon my covenant methods 
When you do, you break my covenant. You see, and we would say it today, well, if I can have a a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and you can, you can have a personal relationship by faith and by faith alone. Well, if I can have that, why do I need a covenant relationship with God? And why do I need a relationship with His people? What's the point? If that doesn't do anything, the point is this is God's way in which He has promised to work. Don't abandon His methods. Don't abandon His goodness. Look to Him and use what He has provided, trusting that He will accomplish His purpose. To abandon His methods will be detrimental to you and to your children. They won't know who their God is. You have the privilege as as a, a covenant parent to say to your children, this is who our God is. He's a God to us and to our children and to our children's children. How astounding is that? To make known the glory of His character. So that's one way of, of, of breaking the covenant. It's abandoning His methods. There's another way though. Another way to break God's covenant. And that is, This is also what God warns of. It's to have only the external form. But not walk with the God who gives the covenant. To not walk with the God who gives the covenant. This is what God warns of of as well. It's to suppose because I've received the sign, I am automatically an heir of the blessing. That because I've received the sign, I have grace guaranteed regardless of where my heart is. And this too is the danger that Israel constantly faced. Israel constantly fell into because they had received the circumcision. They were the circumcision. They regarded everyone else as the uncircumcised. They referred to those who were uncircumcised, that is to the Gentiles, as dogs. They didn't deserve anything as though they did. God warns. This was the challenge of Jesus' ministry when when the Jews came to him and and they, they wouldn't believe in him and they said we are Abraham's children even as Jesus is coming in on the triumphal entry and all the children are praying and they're saying keep them quiet Jesus says God can raise up children for Abraham from stones oh the wonder of this appeal don't leave a relationship with God external Dependent upon rituals. Yield your heart to Him. The circumcision of the flesh needs a circumcision of the heart through the work of the Holy Spirit that only God can give. And He will give that. He will give that to those who recognize their brokenness, who recognize their emptiness, and who turn to Him in repentance and faith and yield to Him. The covenant of grace is an appeal. This is an appeal of circumcision. It's the appeal of baptism to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We need to heed these warnings. 
covenant people of God, boys and girls, the blessing of baptism is the summons for you to believe in Jesus Christ. The privilege is yours. You know all the promises. You know the wonder of God's grace. And the warning this morning is a summons for your heart. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, you, baptized people, not just the children's children, not just the children, but the parents as well. It's a summons. Your baptism calls you this morning. Yield the heart. Yield the heart. And yet, and yet, there's one more appeal. One more appeal. Don't abandon God's methods. Don't leave it external and think that you're secure based upon the externality. Yield the heart. One more appeal. And this is an appeal to those who have broken covenant. To those who have broken covenant, who have not yielded the heart, who've walked away, who've abandoned the methods, who've abandoned God's people, who've turned away from Him. And this is an appeal to the character of God and the character of the covenant that He has made. I will establish my covenant with Isaac as an everlasting covenant. Your God is an everlasting God with an everlasting covenant. He is always, always, always gracious. He's just and will not overlook your sin, but He's always gracious. And this means there is always, always, always a way back to Him. In fact, This urgent appeal was placed before Israel when God was preparing them through his prophets, particularly through the prophet Jeremiah, when he was preparing them for his divorce. You know, Israel lived at that time when God was, that exile was going to be God's divorce of them, the divorce of his bride, the divorce of his beloved, the divorce of his wife. A horrible, horrible, horrible breakdown of the relationship. Because Israel at this time was spiritually adulterous. They were chasing after foreign gods. They were pledging themselves to to anyone but the true and the living God. They were were living immoral and indecent and, and profligate lives. Squandering and despising God. And God sends his prophet. And his prophet summons him. Them, yield the heart. Your breaking of the covenant doesn't mean you can't repent and return to God. God in his grace sent Jeremiah. And he says again, that covenant which is in your flesh, it needs to be in your heart. I appeal to you today, turn back. And if any of you are trapped in your sin, and neglecting God, and abandoning Him, and not walking before His face, and not walking in fellowship with Him, your covenant God comes and He says, before that time in which you will be cut off for all eternity, come back to Him. Yield to Him. Give Him your heart. This needs to be our appeal to those who've walked away. 
to our children who have received the sign of baptism and who have abandoned the church, who have abandoned God and have neglected His grace. Come back. A warning? It's God. God's goodness that you don't understand. And an appeal. Come back to Him who is the source of life. His covenant is an everlasting covenant and you will be held accountable to Him. Heed that warning and yield and let him be the one who secures your life. People of God, parents particularly with spiritually estranged children, grandparents with spiritually estranged grandchildren, don't give up. Don't give up. Keep praying. Keep clinging. Keep holding on to the God who gives life, who is life, who has life. And keep appealing to Him. Appeal to Him in prayer, but also appeal to Him with your words and say, how glorious, how generous, how gracious, how extensive is this covenant. Because this sign is a summons for us to know who our God is. He's your God. He's the God of your children and the God of your children's children. He's a God who is gracious and kind. He's a God who has all mercy and affection. He will not allow sin to go unpunished. He will also save those who turn to him in faith. And that gives us an appeal, an appeal for this grace to be made known far and wide because of his covenant sign. Grab them by their baptism. Do you know God? Do you know his love? Do you trust Him? And pray to God on behalf of what He has said to you. I can do it. Entrust them to me. And what I will do, I will do for my glory. Amen. Let's pray together.